All right, we're live. All righty. Welcome, everybody, to episode 103. 103. It's been a while. December 6th was our last episode. We've had a busy, busy Christmas season trying to get through all the things that happen in holidays. You know, I never, never saw it coming how much I would despise holidays until I got into business. Thank God it screws everything up. What a nightmare. I told him, I said, when he first, when he, when he came on, we started, I had him in the kind of the hiring and managing position. I said, listen, you're going to learn to despise holidays because it's nothing but a disruptor, you know? So, yeah. and thank God we're through them. So we yeah. get back to some, well, I guess the normalcy, you know, we, at least we can say it, it, we brush up on our problem solving skills. We do at that. And so, and then you throw in the COVID, we've had a few COVID cases and then we've got the weather now two weekends in a row. We've had to deal with weather and, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a little fun, you know, yeah. it's been, been lots of fun. Um, it, what, in a year, you know, we ended up with a, with a, a record year, obviously. And, um, life is good. We, we looked at all, we did a little analysis of all of our driver's earnings because, you know, we kind of advertise that people here make 80 to a hundred grand a year. And guess what? Yep. <laughs> our lowest guy would have been 87 had he been here the whole year. Our highest guy was like 106 or 109, something like that. So, uh, we didn't lie to anybody. Yeah. And, um, truck owners are, are all happy. So, uh, I think everybody's, uh, I think everybody's looking forward to a great 2022. Um, you know, all the, all the professionals, experts that we talked to saying, you know, it looks like 2022 is going to hold, uh, going to hold serve. So we're just going to plow forward. We've we got growth. We're, we're bringing on four, maybe five trucks in the next, I don't know, month, month and a half, two months. So that's uh, obviously a big uh, in, increase in our activity right now because we've got to get drivers onboarded for those trucks. And, um, and then, two, um, we are going to have way more drivers that we've interviewed and could interview than we've got trucks for. So, you know, it's, we don't just take anybody, but if you've got a somewhat of a lunatic type truck and you're having trouble keeping drivers in it and you'd like to have us manage it for you and put a good driver in it and, um, let you make some money and us too, uh, reach out to us. That's, we've got uh, an opportunity to do that. So, and now we even have the opportunity to do a little bit of platform because we've got a couple guys now that are wanting to be in platform division. So, um, 22 is looking good, you know, it is, it is. Um, so looking back on 21, uh, you know, if you guys are behind on your accounting, you know, you, you heard us rant and rave about the high cost of not knowing your numbers. So now's the time. And, uh, you know, you've got March 15th coming up for all you corporations. Um, and then of course, April 15th for all you sole proprietors. So, um, uh, I guess a good segue into our guest tonight is that, you know, that's, this is what he does, but he also, uh, specializes in helping guys that are behind and maybe you haven't filed a return in a couple of years or longer, or you, you need help with getting caught back up and getting into good graces, the IRS. So anyway, Chris, with that being said, why don't you introduce our guests? Our guest tonight is going to be Tony Ramos. Tony helps small business owners who owe substantial taxes to the IRS. Uh, he is passionate about resolving uh, overwhelming IRS debt to help people get the IRS to reduce their debt by the maximum amount and then agree to the smallest possible monthly payments for the remaining balance. 
Uh, so without further ado, let's bring Tony Ramos on here and let's talk about the KGB. I mean, the IRS <laughs> and, uh, and how to stay out of hot water. Um, Welcome Tony. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So you emailed us the other day, you'd watched one of our episodes and you know, we run into people all the time that come into our mentoring program and they've always got that little bit of shame on their face and be like, well, I haven't filed my taxes in seven years or, you know, whatever kind of mess they're in. And uh, so it's a perfect time of year uh, to bring you on and hopefully scare some people straight to start doing their numbers and not abusing their CPAs by dropping a shoebox full of garbage on their desk and then running like hell uh, in, in hopes that somebody can unwind the mess that they've made over the last 12 months and then not end up in that situation. So kind of how did you get into, um, you know, kind of being this guy that, that helps people with the IRS? Well, I, uh, from 1989 to 2000, I was a bankruptcy attorney. I ended up filing 1,949 bankruptcies of which were many small business owners. And I, IRS was one of the big creditors. So I began dealing with IRS uh, problems for small business owners. And then I quit that in 2000. I got tired of going to court every two weeks. And I did a few other things, but then I picked this up again when I moved to San Antonio uh, nine years ago. And I've been doing that full time since then. You know, we, we hear a lot of the, um, you know, satellite radio, all of these uh, advertisements that, that kind of sound like a trap to me. It, it sounds like a scheme, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I've heard like people like Dave Ramsey talk about, you know, some of these scammers that will, that will try to convince people that they can do things that probably aren't even possible. Um, and then people just end up in a bigger hole than where they are. So how do you, how do you, how do you determine what, what is a, 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 a reasonable way to address these problems uh, without getting yourself in a bigger mess by, by some scammer? Well, um, obviously, a lot of people like to meet face-to-face, -face, but um, today, a lot of times, the, the person you find that's going to help you is not in your hometown. Yeah. In fact, I've got folks in Finland and UK, Alaska, all over the United States, because anybody that owes taxes, I can help. But if... I get a lot of complaints from people who deal with these national companies that advertise that we can, we can settle your case for like 20% or when you get them on the phone, my experience is these big companies have salespeople trying to hook you to get in. And uh, what I've noticed is they try to figure out how stressed out the taxpayer is. And then they set a fee that they think they can get from him. Mm -hmm. So what I would do, and I would advise you whether you use me or not, doesn't matter is uh, the way I approach it is this. I charge a modest fee up front to investigate the case. I need to know what, does, what kind of tax debt the taxpayer has. If they haven't filed returns, you know, what, what is the, does the law require? Oh, and then, then I need to understand the financial condition of the taxpayer. Because if there's anything good uh, to say about IRS, is that if you can't afford, you, you have to pay what you can afford to pay and no more. Um, so I, you know, I don't understand how, uh, other tax resolution attorneys or tax resolution companies can quote a fee over the phone without really understanding, uh, the client. It would, it would be like, uh, going to 
to buy a, you know, a house or something without really knowing the specs, you know, square footage, bedroom, what, what neighborhood, you don't have enough information to quote a good fee. So the first thing I recommend is try to get the person dealing with you to investigate your case for a modest fee. And after that, select the option and then quote, quote a, a fee at that point. So if they're rushing to quote you a fee, I, I would, that to me, that's a red flag. Well, you know, Tony, people get in this shape, you know, they just want, they, they get in over their head, you know, they, they, they ignore the IRS for a long time and those letters start getting more severe and the threats start start getting more real. And they wake up one morning and they go to the bank and there's no money in their bank account. That's usually the first time that they're ready to address the problem. And at that point in time, they're panicked. There's, you know, they're scared because now it has happened. And all they want, you know, they've ignored it all up until now. Um, so now all they want to do is get somebody to come fix this for me as quickly and as painless as you can. And, and if somebody preys on that person and goes, oh yeah, we can, we can, you know, and then, and then now they become your friend and you start paying them as much as you can afford you. If you, if you had paid the IRS, what you're getting ready to pay this person, you probably wouldn't be, you know, having your account, you know, a doc right now. So they get embarrassed and they want to just get it done and they want to get it behind them and they just want somebody to do it. You know, they don't shop, they don't price, you know, um, and I, I'm, I'm just telling you what I think. I have no idea because you're the expert, but I've been in business for a long time and I've run across a lot of people that, you know, have in, been in this situation. And that's that's just the general consensus that I get from working with, you know, with with business people, you know, small well, business people. I mean, they're all over the place, but the scenario that you gave me is pretty accurate, actually. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had clients that haven't filed for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And they go and hire somebody and they, they send all the returns in. And then they, they call me and I said, you know what? The IRS only makes you go back six years. Mm -hmm. But now that you filed them all, you're going to owe all those years. Got to go them all back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And, yeah. and the other thing uh, you said, Larry, was that uh, they're stressed out. And you can never negotiate a good deal when you're stressed out right? because they can sense it, that you're, you're willing to do whatever it takes to get them off your back. Sure. But generally uh, if you get the final notice of intent to levy where they can levy your bank account or intercept your receivables or garnish your wages, mm -hmm. one phone call, we can stop the IRS, get a cooling off period, like 30 days before we come up with some kind of proposal. Um, and if they've already uh, gotten the notice and we can't get to the IRS because right now uh, it takes forever to talk to them, um, you can file for an appeal and it stops all collection efforts and it takes months to have the hearing. So there's way ways to stop the stress, calm down, assess things carefully and don't make a rash decision. Right. Sounds like that old uh, eat, eat an elephant one bite at a time. Yeah. Um, so would you recommend, you know, one of the things that we preach here, obviously, is good accounting, you know, is um, knowing your numbers. So is that the, if you're if you know you're in this position yet and that the hammer has not yet fallen, it's time to get your numbers in order and, and your documents in order first, because then you're showing up a lot better armed for the fight. Right. Oh, yes, because uh, when you negotiate with the IRS, uh, a lot of times you have to fill out. Uh, their financial statements and you make representations 
as to what your income and your expenses are. And then on the personal side, your living expenses. And they're not going to take your word for it. You're going to have to prove it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, 100 percent record keeping is uh, especially for a small business owner. As you know, a small business owner, nobody withholds taxes for them. They're supposed to be making estimated tax payments. And you may be surprised or, or not. A lot of small business owners don't even know what estimated taxes are. And <laughs> not the year, you're not surprised, right? Because you deal with the small business owner. And the other thing I've learned uh, when I was doing bankruptcies from 1989 to 2000 uh, is that small business owners, the first thing they do is they got to make money. And so they focus all their time on making money. The administrative part of it goes by the wayside thinking, I'll go ahead and, and take care of that later. Hmm. So if people are afraid to file their tax returns, they need to know this. Whatever tax you owe, multiply times 25%. That's the penalty for filing five months late. So even if you can't pay, just file it. You save yourself a ton of money. And then on top of that, the failure to pay penalty is half a percent a month up to another 25%. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... And then annual interest right now is about four and a half or five percent. Very easily, your tax debt can double in a few years with with can you imagine fifty percent in penalties and then annual interest. And meanwhile, the clock's still ticking if you're not paying what you're what you owe now, you know. And and the, usually people get into this situation two ways. They're they're not disciplined enough to actually be a ten ninety nine contractor because they think they're making all this money and they don't have the discipline to put some of it away to pay their taxes. And like you say, they're trying to make a profit there. Maybe they're overextended and they can't make a profit. And so if they put money away to the IRS, they go out of business. So they're just kicking the can down the road, you know, because eventually the IRS is going to put you out of business anyway. So, um, or the other thing I see a lot is people who have payroll, they don't pay the employer part of the payroll tax, you know, they, they, they net out the checks, but they don't gross out the checks. And so there's no, there's no, um, what's the word they have for it. It's not, it's not, uh, um, anyway, the, 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 the employer part of the tax withholding and the part that you withheld from the actual, uh, you know, a, a, a pay, uh, employee that now you're entrusted with and you didn't turn it into the government. That's even worse, you know, the so, government considers those trust funds. They're not even your, funds. your yeah. funds. And so what happens is when, when, when business gets tight, you don't have enough money. To, you pay your employees, like you say, uh, and then what you withheld from them is just a paper uh, transaction. So you don't have the money to even yeah. to. And then you, the match, the 7.65% that the employer has to pay, plus the 7.65% for that the employee contributed. Yeah. Now, now, all that begins to accrue penalties and interest as well, because as you know, you have to file those quarterly returns mm-hmm. for 941. So if you fail to file those, those have penalties and interest as well. So it, it now, I don't want to scare anybody, but the, there's a criminal uh, statute almost identical to the civil statute. On top of the penalties, it's actually a crime because you're misappropriating m- money that's not yours. Yeah, it's now, it's not that common, but, you know, all the conferences and seminars that I go to, the IRS is going to start filing more criminal charges because they need to collect more money because they're giving away so much money, as you all know. Yeah, yeah. 
So, um, but again, like Chris said, it comes down to though, people that usually get in trouble like this don't have any accurate record keeping. They don't really know if they're making a profit or not. They're, they're not paying attention to, you know, to, to costs and things like that. And so they just, they concentrate on whatever it is they're doing. We're in the trucking business. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it's pretty, a, 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 an owner operator, it's a full-time job for him to run up and down the road and haul freight. Okay. Right. So it's easy for him to just put off. I'll deal with this later. I'll hire somebody to un, you know, undo it. And they just ignore it. And, and that's, that's, that's what we're trying to raise the awareness of, not just in taxes, but in business in general, you know, we're, we're here to teach truck drivers how to, how to become small business people and the importance that both of them, yes, you have to be able to do a, be a drive a truck and haul freight to be in the trucking business. But the ha- the second half of that term trucking business is you also have to be a business person, you know, and right. if you're not one, you have to learn how to be one. Otherwise they're going to be calling you in a few years because they're going to be so far upside down with the IRS that they're going to have to have professional help. If they're still around the IRS and chasing a, a dead business, you know, and so, I can speak to the arrogance of, well, I'll get to it later. I'll just make sure I earn enough money to cover up my stupidity. You know, I'll just make more money. I'll work harder. And of course, all you're doing is ratcheting the stress up until you get about five years into your trucking business and you have a nervous breakdown. Um, and that's what I did, you know, and, and then I finally crashed and burned. And I ended up, um, I guess I can, I can use I can throw you a real life question. Okay. I ended up owing about 50 grand and I got on a payment plan. Uh, they didn't, they didn't get to the lien, but I got the letter that it was coming you know? And so that, that woke me up enough and I got on a payment plan and I've paid it down to about $12,300. My question for you is I, I, and I didn't know what the balance was. I just know that I'm paying 500 bucks a month. Right. So I logged into the website the other day and I was shocked because I thought surely we have paid this down and I thought it was like at 10,000 and now it's at 12, but there's no way for me to understand what penalties and interest like is this thing going like this i'm paying it down and back up and down and back up and i don't know how i could get my hands on thirteen thousand dollars in a conventional loan to like shut them down but is that is that what i should be doing to try to keep because that's what it seems like i'm paying them one of the things you can do uh chris is to uh order your account transcript for every year Uh, you can do it by phone or you can go to the irs.gov website uh, set up an account and order your account transcripts. And it'll tell you there when you file your return, uh, what the taxes are, what the penalties, what the interest is. And then they also have all the payments that you've made. So you can analyze what's going on there. Okay. And if you, if you see that they're not uh, handling your, your uh, accounts correctly, you can, you can call them on it. But the other, the other thing, going back to the, the, my advice to go ahead and file even if you can't pay it, is the IRS only has 10 years to collect the taxes. If they don't collect it in 10 years, it's forgiven. And a lot of people don't know that. They think, oh, I'm going to be in this, you know, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but it doesn't start until you filed your return and you get assessed. Now, there are some things that can extend the statute, uh, like filing bankruptcy, for example, or innocent spouse relief, or leaving the country for six months, uh, or asking, uh, filing an appeal. But as a general rule, uh, 
there is light at the end of the tunnel because after 10 years, it's over with. Interesting. Do you have any, any numbers on what percentages of small businesses have, have tax issues? I don't, all, other than a couple of years ago, I know 14 to 16 million taxpayers have back taxes uh, to, to the IRS and they can't keep up. It's more now, but I don't know what percentage of those are businesses. Hmm. But, but it makes sense that a large percentage of them will because, you know, they're self-employed, nobody's withholding. If you're an employee, you, you can't owe that much because right. your employer's withholding. And even if your employer doesn't send the money forward, you still get credit for it. It's not on you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so let's touch a little bit on a couple of things. Number one, what what is your position or what give us your opinion about the California AB5 thing that's basically trying to eliminate the 1099 contractor in the state of California? Don't you think it's driven by tax collection efforts? You know, I, I really don't have an opinion. I don't know what's driving that, but uh, what, what exactly are, they're trying to get rid of the 1099, make everybody an employee. Yeah. So they, that, yeah. They want to, they want to kill the gig economy because the government doesn't like independent contracts because it's hard for them to make them comply as you're, as yeah. you well know. Right, so right. if we can eliminate that, you know, by making everybody be W-2 employees, uh, uh, then that makes it, first of all, their compliance level goes way up. And of course, California's broke anyway. So they get more, you know, they get more revenue without having to chase everybody. Uh, and, and also, uh, you know, the government loves to have, you know, compliant citizens, you know. So if, uh, if uh, you know, you're a, you're a W-2 and your employer, you know, has this bootstrap on you, it's much easier to make a, your citizens comply than allowing everybody in the country to run around and own their own business and file their own taxes and all that sort of stuff. So, um, well, I understand that. Uh, but, you know, the person you're contracting with now has that obligation to withhold from you. Yep. Every time they pay you, it makes it more difficult, I think, to yep. hire folks because, you know, the initial obligation – and there's penalties on the quoted on the employer if they don't uh, do that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> well, and that and that's another whole level of conversation because you know I, you know a lot of people in this business they buy a truck, they see the opportunity. Well, I can buy another truck and hire people, and I can put a driver in there. And of course, the easiest way for that to happen is to call that person a contractor, even though the IRS twenty two question question smell test. Right. fails fails immediately yeah. uh because they don't have any skin in the game um and uh but but then they just allow the person to operate as a 10, 1099 contractor when in fact they they're misclassified um and, and so talk about talk about what happens to that person who misclassifies his employees and an employee April 15th drops a dime on him and says hey i my employer didn't didn't take any tax on me, and I'm an employee. I'm not a contractor. Oh, they reclassify you, and all those, quote, independent contractors are now employees. Guess what? You owe all the money that you theoretically should have withheld and the, the employer contribution. Uh, I had a case recently where when your case is big enough, uh, they assign it to a local revenue officer. Mm -hmm. so they make a visit at your office or they leave their, their business card. And I got a call from the revenue officer. He said, you know, the, the, the person who answered the phone, was that an independent contractor or was that an employee? And I said, 
uh, you know me well enough. I can't answer that question, but I knew exactly what he was planning to do. Sure. And there's a, a, a contractor, a, a construction contractor, and they have a lot of people working on the job. And if they reclassify him, uh, he's going to be uh, maybe shutting down. Absolutely. Because as you said, they're responsible for both sides of that employee, E-R-E-E trust fund and the penalty for failing to, to pay. Uh, it's, it's a pretty severe hit. Oh, yes. And if you've gone back, if you've been doing this for seven, eight, ten years, you know, once they open Pandora's box, you know, a lot of stuff jumps out, right? Well, not, not only that, but if you, if you don't have good record keeping and you file a return that they happen to audit, mm-hmm. they, they have three years to audit. Right. Uh, unless there's, you know, way, uh, huge errors, maybe they go six years, but typically three years. But if they find a serious mistake in one year, guess what? They say, you know what? We're going to go to the next year and the year after that. They end up auditing three years. And um, it gets worse and worse. Our listeners are used to that because that's called a DOT roadside inspection. So they're used to that approach, you know, the peel the onion back approach. You know, you get pulled over for a light being out. And before you leave, you've got chafed hoses. You've got all this stuff. So they understand what you're talking about there. Um, so, you know, so, I mean, the, the, no one benefits by the 1099 thing if, if you're really not a, 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 a true employee because eventually somebody's going to, well, I, I, guess, I guess you could get away with it forever. But all it takes is for a disgruntled employee to drop a dime on you, and you oh, know, yeah. that's all it takes. You know? And then, then you have wage and hour uh, labor. In your office. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I, I'm dealing with clients with employer with business owners that are having enough trouble with the IRS, and then all of a sudden they says, "Oh, we had this huge audit. We're yeah. not paying the drivers enough, yeah. and we got a huge problem because yeah. uh, because if you uh, are contracted with the government, let's say if you're a federal contractor, yeah. they just offset your receivable. They don't pay your receivable. Right, right. They just keep it. Right. Yeah. So that may not apply to owner operators, but I just as a general rule. Federal offset is very painful. But, you know, Tony, this is so easy to avoid. You know, it just comes down. Again, we we preach it just just like black and white. If you're going to buy a truck, you're going to become an an owner-operator or an independent contractor. You're now in business, okay? So business people act like business people. So how much trouble is it? You know, to get somebody to first of all to, to to do your own spreadsheets and at least know what you know what you're in what you're making or not, or how easy is it to hire somebody to do this for you? You know, I mean, national payroll companies are cheap, and 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 there are CPAs and bookkeepers all over the country that you know that offer this service. I mean, there's a lot of big ones in our industry, you know, that we don't really think are the greatest, but at least they keep you from having to call Tony, right? So. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I have folks that they file Schedule C's, and I say, okay, so you're you're in business for yourself. Oh no, I'm not. I don't have a business. Well, why are you filing the Schedule C? You are in business, as far as the IRS can tell. Right. And so they don't even consider themselves being in business because they're independent contractors, and they right. co- they 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 call the the company that's contracting them their employer. And I right. say, I have to school them a little bit and tell them what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that we, whenever we interview people, 
uh, we ask them, why do you want to be an operator? Oh, I want freedom. And we always ask freedom from what? You know, because you're training one set of bosses for another set of bosses. Mm. Uh, yes. Yeah, you, you're, you're trading some, just some guy to, to keep from telling you what to do. But now you have customers that care even less about you. As, you know, they only, their only concern is that you're actually doing what you say you're going to do and you're delivering um, <clears throat> well, that, that service that they, that they demand. But I think a big part of that problem is, oh, well, I'm free. I can just do whatever the hell I want whenever I want. And then here comes the IRS, which is this 800-pound gorilla, and they don't know what to do. And <clears throat> when I went through it, you know, I knew I had a problem. And then when my truck failed and I, and I was completely out of business, we almost lost everything, almost lost the house, almost lost our cars. I'm wondering, should that have been a point where I was at that lowest that I should have tried to do something about the debt instead of hiding from it? Because now my income is so good, it's hard for me to say, yeah, it's hard for me to do that because now it's this giant income. The best time to make a deal with the IRS when you're financially strapped, because I think I said at the very beginning of, of our talk to, uh, this evening is that you pay according to your ability to pay. And if you really can't even meet living expenses, you can get what's called currently not collectible status, which means zero payments for two years. And then they review your, your tax return, see how you're doing. In the meantime, the 10 year collection clock is still running on the IRS. So the best time, if you're really broke, that's when you need to make a deal with the IRS. You get two years without payments or if you can afford to pay something, but it'll never pay the tax off uh, within 10 years, that's called a partial payment installment agreement. And you have payments you can afford as soon as you make that deal for the next two years, uh, you can start making a lot more money without having to increase your payments. Mm, okay. Well, you hear all the time these deals that these people make where they turn 200000 into 20000 And it's, it's, is it called uh, offer and compromise or something it like that? It is. How realistic is that? Well, uh, the, the IRS, I think the last time I looked at it, they approved 38% of them. So, I mean, that's a fair number, but it depends. Let me give you the, the, the basic formula. You have to offer, you offer a set amount of money, and if they take it, your debt goes away. So long as the next five years, you file and pay on time. But here's what they look at. The first thing they look at is how much time is left on the 10-year collection clock. Right. If the, if the IRS only has two or three years, that's a very positive factor. But if they have nine years left, they're not, they, their, their gamble is, will we accept what you're offering us? We think we can get more from you in the next nine years. That's number one. The second thing, you have to offer the equity in all of your assets. So if you own a home, they're not going to take your home away, but you have to offer the equity in your home. They do knock off 20% off the, the top of the, the value. Uh, and then you, they subtract the loan. And then what's left, you have to offer that. And I'll, there's a, an exception to that, which I'll mention in a minute. And the third thing is they take net disposable income after what the IRS considers reasonable living expenses, and you multiply it times 12 or 24. But uh, there's a, a procedure we do. We, we start with 24 because they have 24 months to pay. But when, when we get to settle, we revert it back to a 12 month. So uh, equity and assets plus a net disposable income times 12. And that's what you offer. And you normally have to send in 20%. And then once they accept the deal, uh, you have five months to pay the balance. 
Now, there are, there are exceptional circumstances. If you're seriously ill, if you're elderly and you have no savings, uh, or you have some savings, but um, you're, you're going into the red every month and you're going to use up all your savings. But those are rare. Don't count on that. But, but uh, Larry, it, it is a feasible deal, and I've gotten uh, quite a few approved, but uh, you have to not waste your time uh, filing something that's going to get denied. They're, they're not easy to get approved, but that's a realistic uh, opportunity, but only if you qualify. But that settlement, that equity, all that, none of that is dismissible through bankruptcy, right? Well, um, let, let me tell you what's dismiss, uh, dischargeable in bankruptcy. Dischargeable, that's what yeah, it is. That's yeah. the word, dischargeable. Um, <clears throat> you have to owe the taxes for three years. They have, to, uh, they have to be assessed 240 days because you can file your return on time and then the IRS waits two years and they says, assess you more, more taxes because they don't agree with you. So long as you wait eight months after the last assessment and you owe it for three years. Now, if you file late, uh, you have to wait. Uh, you have to owe it more than three years, but you have to wait two more years after you filed. Now, in certain jurisdictions, certain circuits, like the Fifth Circuit where I'm at in Texas, uh, you have to file your returns on time. If you file them one day late, you cannot discharge the taxes. So um, I don't know if I answered is your that, question. Is that the same if you filed an extension? Yeah, you can file the extension. It's okay. not a problem. Uh, it's considered timely. Uh, now, in many cases, and this happens to small business owners, if you fail to file a return, the IRS can file one for you. It's called a substitute for return. And if they assess you uh, after they file the return, the 10-year clock starts to run. But in the Fifth Circuit, or pretty much anywhere in the country, those are not dischargeable because that's not considered a tax return. What if somebody files an extension, though, and as you well know, the extension doesn't give you an extension to pay the money just to file the return. So suppose you file an extension with no money in it, and then when you, when you eventually file the return and you owed a ton of money, does that still count as a, as a properly filed extension? Well, yeah, the extension is what you're extending. There's two separate issues. For dischargeability, you have to file the return on time. doesn't mean you have to pay anything. Okay. So long if you file it with it by October the 15th. So uh, then it's still dischargeable. You have to wait three years from that date, not from the April 15th date. And then uh, you have to file on time in, in certain, certain jurisdictions. But in others, you can file late, and then you have to wait two years from the time you filed, so long as you voted for at least three years. So our, our, our audience, our market is primarily people who were W-2 employees for a period of time. They have the idea or the dream or the goal of being an independent contractor, independent owner, operator, truck owner. And so uh, our, our market, I mean, our, our, um, our, our job, what we've chosen to do, our crusade, is to keep those people from getting into this situation, not just with taxes, but with everything else, debt, you know, uh, compliance issues. Uh, by having some education and some and, and inform them ahead of time what they're getting into. So let's address our market a little bit. Let's talk about how to not get into the situation where you have to get them out. Okay. Okay. So is there, uh, you talk, you want me to tell you how they can avoid the situation? Exactly. exactly. Well, um, I'm not sure I understood the question other than file your tax returns on time because you have a 25% penalty. 
And then if you can't pay and you find yourself uh, in a situation where you don't have a lot of equity, a lot, of, a lot of people that have trouble don't even have a home. They're, they're the prime candidates for an offering compromise. Mm -hmm. And if they qualify for bankruptcy, um, I, I tell them, look, you know, a lot of people don't want to file bankruptcy because it violates their, their sense of, you know, obligation uh, or the embarrassment. Uh, and it'll affect your credit for 10 years. Mm -hmm. But if they're dischargeable, I've, I've seen hundreds of thousands of dollars discharged in bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but you need to use professionals. Uh, you know, you nobody does everything on their own. Uh, you, yes, lawyers are expensive, CPAs are expensive, uh, but it costs you more if you don't have the right information. You need to reach out to people who know uh, their industry, because uh, and just generally in terms of, of business. You know, when I went to law school, they didn't tell me anything how to run a law firm. And just because you can do, do the technical thing correctly doesn't mean you're qualified. So if they run across folks like you all that can help them run a business, they need to listen to that. They can be excellent at driving the truck and everything that goes along with that. But that doesn't mean they know what to do, not to fall behind on taxes, uh, keep bookkeeping, uh, compliance issues. And so my best advice is... Uh, Get professionals to file, to file your return if you can't do it on your own, uh, to help you with bookkeeping, uh, to help you with, with legal issues, uh, and so forth. That 940, 941 form you referred to earlier, you know, that that's not that difficult to do, but it's got to be done timely. And, you know, you get busy out here driving a truck and you look up and you've missed the 940, you know, and now you've got this penalty, you know. So, the and, and for... You know, for most people who have a company of, I mean, I, we have 14, 15 employees here. I, so I spend about 25 or 30 bucks a week on a payroll service and they do all of that for me yeah. on time. You know, it's not expensive to get a professional to do it right. You know, so it's, uh, it doesn't make sense to not have someone that knows what they're doing provide you these outside services, as you say, that even though you're, what you do in your industry is really, really good, you're still not a CPA or you're still not an attorney, you know, and uh, this do-it-yourself world we live in works fine for Home Depot, but it doesn't work fine for heart surgery, you know. And if so, you deal with a professional that's ethical, they're going to charge you a fair fee and it's normally, you're going to get more from it than what you're paying out. Because if they're ethical and, and you know they're not mistreating their clients, uh, it'll save you a lot of money if you if you sure. do things correctly. Absolutely, absolutely. I know of a guy that uh, did some time. I don't know if it was federal or state, but he did some time for re refusing to pay taxes. You know, kind of a libertarian kind of guy. Yeah. And he will tell you now uh, that even if you don't like the government that paying taxes is a form of self-defense because they have lots of angry lawyers and they have lots of guns and they will come into you and they will lock you in a cage as they did him. And so, cause people will be like, Oh, well, you're, you don't like Liberty because you're paying taxes. And he was like, well, here's my choices. I can be free and do something I don't want to do, or I can get locked in a cage. That's your choices. You know, there's really no, there's really no middle ground. Um, so when we, when we try to explain to people, this basic bookkeeping, and I have to do it with our people that literally come to us and say, show me how. And I'm like, okay, here's how. 
save your receipts. And then three months later, do you have a spreadsheet? Are you saving your receipts? No, I'm too busy driving. My point, right? You have to do this and, and driving the trucks, 15% of the deal. The other 85% is all of this stuff that keeps you out of jail and bankruptcy. Um, and trying to get that switch to flip that I have to create habits. I have to have discipline. I have to do this robotically. It's got to be a part of my life that I'm, and I've, I, I went out a few months ago to Larry's house and I watched him do all of our accounting for a day. And it was mind blowing, you know, mind blowing to watch the detail that we have to put into this in order to be able to honor that huge payroll and pay and feed all of the babies and, all of the, the the things that happened down the line because we did it right to begin with. Um, and when you get audited, the IRS that's not going to take your word for it. I, I have business people that come in with these boxes of receipts for the last three years, and I say, what is that? Well, I, I keep all my receipts, but they're all wrinkled and stuffed, and you know, I have to pay some staff member. Of course, I'm going to bill the client for that to go through it and just figure out what they're for. But the episode that I that – I, referred to in my letter to you all, I was amazed the technology today, what you can offer. And like you said, Chris, it's easy once you develop the habit and you keep good records and then you can sleep well at night if I ever get audited. Like sure. they say, all tax planning works until you get audited and then you find out, right. oh, they, yeah. that's not allowed. Right. <laughs> and also with thermal paper, you know, you've got all these receipts, but nobody can read them. They've gone away, you know. They fade so, away. Yeah, you know, so I mean, we we immediately digitize everything immediately. Uh, even the dinosaur me, you know, that everything was paper. Now everything's digital, you know. So uh, not only is it, I mean, it's easily, uh, you know, re, uh, re, uh, whatever findable, and uh, and it's and it's preserved forever, you know. So uh, well, it's just, and and also, you know, I, listen, I've been through a couple of RS audits, I, not in a long time, but. And, and the ones I've came, uh, one was just a, what do they call it? The, the 2%, um, there's a word for it. Uh, they just take 2% random every right. year and do it. I was in one of those. And I was also in one where they challenged some deductions. And in both cases, I, I was fine. But, you know, it's like any other situation. If you come there and you're organized and you got your stuff together, you know, and you look like you've been, you know, a, a, a professional, it's a whole lot different scenario than you drop a big old banker's box on them and it's full of these thermal papers everywhere. And that's how you filed your return. You know, they're very patient at going through that stuff and finding out how much you, you know, that you didn't, uh, you weren't allowed to, 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 to deduct, you know. Well, what we've learned in audits, if we do the job for the IRS uh, revenue agent or whoever's doing the examination, the, the audit, if you do the job for them and put it, orderly, logically, they'll love you. They'll say, okay, I've done my work here. Yeah. And so we frame the audit to where it's favorable for our clients. But another thing I, I forgot to mention a while ago, I get clients that say, here's my bank statement. Just show them that. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. you know, you go to a convenience store. How, how do I know you got gasoline or a bag of chips? You know, right. There, right. there's no receipts. Right. Well, and that's the same thing with credit card statements. Those don't work. You've still got to have the individual transaction showing what you bought. You know, did you buy stuff that you eat or did you buy stuff that your business used, like like copy paper or something? You know, because the credit card form is just going to say Office Depot. 
it's not going to say Office Depot and whatever the personal thing is that you bought, you know. So do, do you advise uh, the people that work with you to have a personal bank account and a business account? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I get people that say, it's all in one account. I said, whoa, then try to disentangle that mess. No, we, we preach that from word from day one, even if they're sole proprietors, they don't have to. And I explain that too. It's not required, but it's just so much cleaner. If you have to defend this, if you don't have this cross, you know, cross referencing, cross sharing of money, you know, put everything through one account, then pay yourself if you want to. And that extra account is not that expensive. No, it just makes your life so much easier if you ever Absolutely. get on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but it's just it's it's more raising the awareness of the importance of it, Tony, right. uh, more than again, we have this thing we're using now where, you know, we want to teach you the why. And if you know the why, you'll figure out the how. So right. rather than teaching them, you must get another checking account. We try to give Listen, this is why you need to do this. Business does this for a reason, you know, so you can document, you can defend, you can not only that, but with with accounting. How in this in this industry, how do you know if you're on top of benchmarking your expenses if you don't have them categorized? If you have everything in a box or expenses, how do you know what your fuel percentage is versus your tire percentage versus your oil percentage? Da 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 da. da. You know. So uh, if you if you have it separated by having accounts or sub accounts or whatever or separate folders in a banker's box, at least you can go back through there and be analytical about what percentage your fuel is of your revenue or your payroll of your revenue. And now you can compare to what the benchmark should be and know if you run your business efficiently or not. You know, one, one of the, I got coached as an entrepreneur uh, by a gentleman in Canada, but uh, he says the concept is who, not how. If you don't know how to do something, find the, the who that can do it for you because they're going to do it better than you, faster than you, more accurate than you, and you can focus on making money. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of businesses that way. They spend so much time trying to do something that a professional can do it in their sleep and do it right, and whereas you're going to spend hours and hours. Uh, I'm, I don't, I'm not very good at, at repairing cars or anything like that. I remember when I was really a young lawyer, I was trying to save money, trying to change a muffler in my car, and I counted 17 hours later, I just paid a mechanic to do it. I said, that's the last time I'm going to do that. So <laughs> right, right. I had right. no idea what I was doing. Well, uh, we, we even have people that will pay a professional. There's a big accounting service. I won't mention their name, but <clears throat> it's four letters, not three letters. And it, uh, they do the majority of, of owner-operator taxes in, in the industry, you know. And they do an okay. It's better than nothing. I still don't like the I, I prefer people do their own. Uh, because it's their numbers and they they're it, it, it's they're intimate with those somebody in a desk in Denver it's just a job I'm just going to get these numbers in they can make they make lots of mistakes and they don't re- recognize mistake but all that being said aside, you give them the report I mean you either give them all the receipts and everything they give you a report back a month later and the average truck owner will just take that report and throw it in a box. And at the end of the year, he takes those to his CPA to put it on the tax form. And he never opens up and looks at their reports. He's, he's still paying for professional service, but he still has no idea if his fuel cost is out of whack with the rest of the people that are in his class, you know, because there's no effort 
to analyze or study or look or learn or see trends. You know, it's just this thing that has to be done and I've got it done, but I haven't learned anything from doing it. So that's the only problem I have with hiring a professional is great, but you got to look over, you know, uh, you got to look over the results and you got to put those into action. If the results aren't what you expect them to be. That, that reminds me, I, uh, some of these tax preparers, um, tried to become a hero to their clients yeah. by padding the expenses. Yeah. Let me and, get this for you. Let me get this for you. Yeah. And, and what happens, uh, these tax preparers start getting a big following, but Hey, he got me refund. Nobody else. Right. got me refund. Exactly. And exactly. then I, did you read, did you study schedule C? Oh no, I just took his word for it. Right. And of course you end up, you can't say, well, I hired somebody. No, you're responsible. So right. you got to review the work. Uh, they can save you a lot of time, but you shouldn't sign your tax return till you look it over and, and make sure it's and understand it. You know, uh, oh, we, we get that a lot in this industry. Oh, you so and so, he got me back. He da, da, da. You know, and the rest of the industry, you know, is at one level, and this one guy is. I didn't pay any taxes. You know, my my CPA got me. I didn't have to pay anything. You know, well, either you didn't make any money, or you cheated. One or the other. You can't make money in this country and not pay taxes. Okay. Amen. So it, it just doesn't make sense. I don't care how good your CPA is, you know, it, that's just not possible. Uh, I've got a good one. You know, my, my accountant let my chihuahua be my, be a security expense. Okay. Well, that's pretty creative. Yeah. Isn't it though? So I've got one for, for, a, for a new business owner. So when I, I leased a truck from a carrier in 2011, all of 2010, I was a W-2 employee. January 1 of 2011, I became contractor and I went through that year and I didn't file any quarterlies. I didn't do any of that stuff and got to the end of the year and I filed the taxes in 2012 for 2011 and I got a refund and I went, wow, okay. I made a $78,000 profit and I got money back. You didn't make estimated tax payments? Zero. Uh-oh. And now I had three kids and my wife didn't work outside the home, you know, so I had, you know, all the tax credits and all that stuff. Right. And that's, that's part of what screwed me up because 2012, my, in, I got better. My income went up and my expenses went down. And when 2013, when I got my tax bill for 2012, I got my head tore off um, because it was completely different scenario. Well, I got lulled into one set of behavior patterns based on what had happened. So here's the question. If you are, and it's with that clean break, let's say it's January 1 of 2022, you became a contractor and all of last year you were a a W-2 employee. Uh, The IRS is really not going to catch up with you until that next year because they're not realizing that whole year that you've changed. So what's the best thing to do to make sure that you get ahead of it uh, you know, from January, say to April of that first year of being a contractor? Well, uh, we've, we've talked about uh, estimated tax payments that are due April 15th, June 15th, September 15th, and the following January 15th. Uh, if you are paying those taxes by the time you file your return, you don't owe at all or, or not very much. However, the, the trick is how much do I make in estimated tax payments? And it's based on the prior year's taxes. Prior year, yeah, yeah. Right. Now, if you're, if you're making more this year, you need to be adding uh, to your estimated tax payments because you're going to be falling behind. 
At that point, I would reach out to an accountant or CPA, somebody that knows how to calculate estimated tax payments. But that's the best and easiest way to do that. Uh, now, I don't know if you all teach your folks uh, to be, if you have an LLC, to be taxed as an S corporation. Yes, uh, they, can, they can set themselves a salary and only do the 15.3% uh, employee employer, 15.3%. And because right now, if you make up to 140,000, you're going to have to be paying that 15.3%. Right. And so let's say you have a great year, you make 100,000 and you have a credible salary of, of 60,000. Well, you saved 15.3% on 40,000. You save yourself $6,000. Yep. If you do that for 10 years, you save $60,000. Yeah. So that that kind of that's another thing you can look into to get some advice on whether or not you should have an entity rather than just a sole proprietorship. We, you know, everybody we work with is is going to make eighty to hundred grand, okay, and so you know they have enough income to offset the cost of maintaining an LLC because, as you know, the tax return is a little bit more expensive than just right. the individual. So they quickly uh, are in a savings position with the uh, the seven point six five difference between the two, you right. know, and minus the cost of the LLC, you know. So uh, that's that's a standard practice for us. You know, we just teach that to everybody. You know, so. Now I'm I'm about to ask a lawyer if somebody should use a lawyer, but um, <clears throat> you know if you're going to do this and you you want to be in business, you want to be successful. There's all of these. Which when I set up an LLC, I just went on the state government website and right. pushed some buttons, and it was done. Right? It wasn't all that complicated. Um, but what are the advantages to using an attorney versus using either a you know uh, we set up your LLC for you or just going to your Secretary of State's website and setting it up yourself. Well, sometimes the attorney, if, if uh, you know, if they, if, they, if they do more than just file with the state, secretary of state, because that's simple to do. And then you can get your EIN number if you're going to use an EIN number. But then you have to make an election to be taxed as an S-Corp. And then uh, you may or may not need an operating agreement. But more it's a council on, on picking the right uh, entity for, that you need to form and explain the advantages and disadvantages. But it's true, uh, anybody can go and, and set their own LLC up. And if they don't care about the other issues, uh, there's not a whole lot that they're gonna lose by doing it on their own. Uh, so I, you know, and now with, with LegalZoom and other things out there, uh, that portion of it is not as difficult. So now, in terms of, of let's say you owe uh, less than fifty thousand dollars in taxes, you can set up an installment agreement by yourself. Call the IRS, and if you owe less than fifty thousand and assessed, uh, you you can owe more with penalties and interest. They will not file a federal tax lien. Notice a federal tax lien against you, uh, and you don't need to provide any financial information. You can just get a six-year payout, and you can do that on your own. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people don't want to deal with the IRS, so we will charge a fee for that. But uh, that has nothing to do with, with contacting an attorney to set up an LLC. But it reminded me of there are certain things that you can do on your own, even when it, when it comes to the IRS. We've got a question from actually one of our guys. It says, how do you find a good accountant and what questions should I be asking? Well, you know, uh, one of the best ways is, is uh, referrals. The other thing is, Google and look for, for reviews because today that's a big deal. People are always looking at reviews. 
And a lot of people hire me because, hey, I, I saw your reviews. Uh, anybody can trash you with giving you a negative review. So if you don't have very many negative reviews and good positive ones, other than that, ask some somebody else who, who your accountant is. Um, ask your attorney to refer you to an account. Because I, I get people all the time asking me, can you refer me to a CPA? Yes, I do. I have, have them in Texas, Colorado, New York, uh, and Louisiana that I, I've sent people to. So that's, you know, to me, today with, with Google, with reviews and with referrals and talk to your professionals, uh, that's the best way I know how to do it. A couple of things I would add to that in our industry, because per diem is such a big deduction in our industry that if they don't understand uh, Department of Transportation per diem regulations, you're going to end up not getting the, you know, the full deduction because it's different than every other industry. So I would, I, I would throw that in there is ask if they understand DOT uh, per diem. The other thing I would throw in there is, um, you know, it, it, my recommendation would be to get a CPA and that all accountants are not CPAs, you know, and so uh, that designation is not like a realtor. You know, that person has training far above a bookkeeper or just someone who calls himself an accountant. Uh, that'd be like somebody hiring a legal assistant versus hiring you, Tony. So, no, I, and as you know, the tax code is so large and there's so many things. And every year they change. Right. And CPAs, they've got to do continuing education. Right. And, you know, they're very careful with their reputation. So, exactly. yeah, I always recommend a CPA. Uh, a CPA will sign your tax return along with yours. And if you get them to sign the tax return, you can feel pretty confident because when the audit comes down, they got to show up too, you know? Oh, yes. So, so I, I would definitely re recommend that, you know? Me too. I was looking at some of the questions um, and trying to think, you know, the, the people are going to probably be most fearful about the worst case scenarios. So what are some of those uh, maybe worst case scenarios and maybe what, what are some of the worst cases that don't actually exist um, that well, may be, be people been scared by? Well, let's go to the worst case that don't usually exist. People are, the IRS can take your personal residence, your home away from you, but they're very reluctant to do that. And there's only the, the seriously, uh, the egregious cases where, where the taxpayers playing games with the IRS or, or they're not paying the withholding tax, the, the trust funds and having a great lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But uh, statistically the IRS only seizes about 500 properties in the whole country every year. And that includes personal homes, about 300 of them. So even though the IRS can take your home away, they need to file a lawsuit. They need to go to a court and get a judgment, et cetera. So if you're, if you're not a rich guy or, or running up, you know, million dollars in taxes, it's pretty rare. Uh, but what they will do, they go after low-hanging fruit. But by that, I mean, what's the easiest way we can get liquid cash out of you? They raid your bank account. Raid your bank account. I mean, you, like you said, uh, Larry, at the beginning, your banker says, you call your bank, hey, how come I don't have any money? Well, the IRS took it away from you, and we, yeah. and the, your bank has to hold it for 21 days, mm -hmm. during which time you can say, "I need that money for hardship reasons," then they can give they give it back to you, but but you have to put a payment plan or something in, in place. 
Um, Landstar works that way too. So we're <laughs> people that, people that we work with are used to how that works because Landstar does the same thing. And people right now are laughing. You don't understand the joke, but but uh, that's how they get your Landstar. You know, they they have thirty thousand independent contractors that work with them, and right. so they uh, you know t they they try to call you, try to call you, at least in the email. You know, people ignore that because they know that the news is not good. So eventually Landstar would just shut off your fuel card and that's how they, that's how they get you well, to that, finally answer the phone. You know, when so, they take your money out of your bank, that gets your attention, gets your attention. Exactly. It, but that's not as embarrassing as if you're a W2 and you don't get your paycheck. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. they have to yeah. give you, they have to let you keep a certain amount, but right. a single person, just to give you an idea, a single person, uh, he gets paid weekly. Uh, you can keep about $400. Yeah, the rest I've, goes to the IRS. I've actually had to process those, you know, those um, uh, what do they call the, the garnishments. garnishments? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and, and so <laughs> that that is not a, that uncommon. But yeah. I tell people there's about five notices you get. Uh, the first one's, hey, you file your return, you owe money. Right. Then they send you a reminder. Right. And then the third one says, if you don't pay, things are going to happen to you. Yeah. The fourth one is a CP five hundred four. Notice of intent to levy, but really the only thing they can get there are state income tax refunds. Right. The final one, final notice of intent to levy with a right to a hearing, they get your your yeah. bank account, they can get your wages, your receivables. If you you're in business for yourself, like an independent contractor, they can they'll get your attention. So those are not rare. That's that's no. outside. That's that's standard procedure. And, yeah. and I have clients that come in. I got a certified letter, but I didn't sign for it. Like. Right. I'm right. going to stop the IRS. Uh, no. no and, and a lot of truck drivers are out for months at a time. Some of these old road guys are, so they don't even get the mail. They get, they get all five of those letters at one time when they show up, you know, and then their, their money's gone, you know? So uh, it's, uh, so yeah. they don't, they don't also don't like to go to your 401k, your retirement savings, although right. they can get to it. They're very reluctant to do that. Yeah. So yeah. the low hanging fruit is wages and bank account. Right. Yeah. That's true. But it's all preventable, Tony. It's all yes. preventable. All you had to do is answer any one of those first four letters, and it would have put a stop to it. Yeah, get on the phone, make a deal. And then, yes, you might have to show your financial. They have a form that you can that you can fill out and ask you over the phone and either get currently not collectible, partial payment installment agreement, or a full pay called a streamlined installment agreement. And if you're under, under 50000 you can do it without a federal tax lien. Right. Involved in a public record. Right. Says the best way to contact you through your website or a phone number? Uh, well, the phone number, uh, 210 530 1308, uh, or that they can go to tonyramoslaw.com. There's a contact form there. Uh, Say that phone number one more time. Area code 210 530 1308. Uh, if you go to the website, there's a number there you can call. They're rotating numbers because, uh, uh, you know, for marketing purposes, we want to know where it would get. But they'll they'll end up at my office for my answering service. So if, if you can't remember the number, just look up my name, TonyRamosLaw.com, and we'll take care of you. Well, Tony, we appreciate you coming on tonight and uh, and sharing your information. Obviously, guys, if you if you, you know, if you're behind and, and you need some help, obviously Tony is uh, accomplished at doing this. And uh, I would say, even if you're not behind, I mean, you know, that is probably a b pretty good person to have in your network, you know. 
So uh, not only that, I'll, I'll give them a free consultation. I give everybody one free consultation okay. because sometimes they don't need me. Right. Uh, and then other times, for example, it's only filed the last six months. You could save people thousands of dollars just for that sure. bit of, of, of advice. Good deal. Good deal. Well, Tony, thank you for yes, being Charlie. here. Uh, Chris, let's you and I stay on for a couple of seconds, okay. but we'll let Tony go have dinner or whatever he needs to be doing. And, and that's just what seven thirty in Texas, isn't it? No, it's uh nine Oh four. Right. Nine, now. Okay. okay. Well, you still got time to catch a football game. So well, I saw my Dallas Cowboys lose, right? Yeah. Before. You guys, you guys took it on chin today. Yeah. Um, that's too bad. I was hoping you guys would win. Me too. Well, at least you aren't getting snow in San Antonio. Cause there you go. I, I was pretty, in, I was in San Antonio one time when it snowed. It's pretty yeah. rare. But it happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Tony. Thank you. All for right, being thanks, here. Tony. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully you guys realize it. It's you can you can keep this from happening by just paying attention to you know the numbers. And we preach this from day one. Know your numbers. They're important. You know, don't stick your head in the sand. I mean, that's all. You know, what ha people that come to Tony have just avoided uh, dealing with this until it gets to the point where you have to have help. You know, uh, that's no way to run a business. That's no way to run any kind of relationship is, uh, is avoiding the confrontation. You know, man up and, and face the music and deal with it. Like you said, you know, they're pretty, you know, they're, they want to get what they can get easily. They're not going to, you know, um, they they would love to settle the deal. I'm sure, you know. Yeah. So well, and it and it all goes back to knowing your why. You know, absolutely. you you have to know the why in order to uh, understand the how. And <clears throat> well, let's talk a little bit about a why that that we have to deal with. Okay, you know, we do this thing that we do to help people avoid the 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 the, the usual trap of lease purchases and, um, you know, uh, paying exorbitant prices for trucks that, that you don't need to buy. Our home model is about spending a little bit of money, paying cash for it, and then being very, very lean and running a very lean business and being on top of your expenses. That's how we stayed in business in 09 and 014 and in 20, you know, is because we have a very, very, very low cost of doing business. Now, our customers... They don't know that, you know, they open up the back of our trailer. They see the inside of a trailer. Okay. A brand new truck for 2022 Peterbilt backs up. They open the door. They see a brand new trailer. They could care less. But the, the difference is though, the profit between those two incredibly different and the risk between those two incredibly different. So we have a lot, we have a lot of people who want to be in this program. And right now it's very, very hard for us to even find trucks. Because they're, you know, even people who wouldn't normally buy our kind of truck are doing it right now because their kind of truck, the parts form are sitting in the Pacific Ocean and they can't make them run. So I'm telling you this to say this. If you have got a, a, a lunatic style truck um, and you have got it sitting in the weeds because you can't find a driver or you don't want to drive it anymore or you've got two or three trucks and and they're just not, um, you just can't keep drivers in it. We don't have that problem. We have a way to, we've got people we can't even interview yet. So, uh, and we generate a lot of leads every day, every week. 
So we are we are running out of. We added four or five trucks this month. Um, the, this month in the first of February, and we've already got them filled. So um, I, I, I originally did this on Facebook in October two years ago, or well, not last October, the year before. And mm-hmm. that's when the program said it was very six. We got a lot of, uh, of um, interest and a lot of feedback. I'm trying not to do that this time. I'm trying to just word of mouth. You guys out there pass the word that somebody wants to make some money on a truck. And, and have a, a blue ribbon operation, very tightly run, very good uh, driver in it. Um, you know, all the benefits of, of, of us managing that truck. Uh, then have them reach out to us and, and set up an interview where we can talk about the truck, talk about them. You know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a strategic partnership. So we just don't take any dickhead. Okay. So, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're a dickhead, don't, don't bother. We, we don't want to work with you. But if you, you know, if you're halfway, you know, business savvy and, and you, and you've got a, a heart of a teacher, uh, cause that's what we do here is we teach, you know, and you want to make some money on an asset that's sitting there with weeds growing around it, then reach out to us. We would talk, well, think talk about this, you know, we, in November of 2020, we brought on four trucks, right? One, two, two, three, four. We brought on four trucks. Yes. And um, you know, the utilization of those trucks, the one I know for sure, probably other than one week, maybe two since November of 2020, that truck has been on the road making money. Um, you know, one had, one had a wreck and one had, uh, some emissions issues and was down, uh, maybe even that one, the, the most difficult truck we had to, to deal with was still only down maybe three weeks out of 60. You know, so um, if your truck, you're trying to keep a driver in it and you're finding out the hard lesson that a lot of people that buy rental property, um, it's only making money when it's got somebody in the seat. And we have a program here that we can keep that truck moving, you know, 48, 50 weeks, almost guaranteed um, out of a year. Um, And if you're not keeping it running that much consistently, you know, we're talking eight to ten thousand dollars a week in revenue. Remember, our guys this year made eighty-seven thousand to a hundred and six or nine thousand dollars annualized if they'd been here the whole year. Some of them were, some of them were only here for you know some of that. So it's it's a we're a high performance company. Okay, we're not the one point seven loads per week Landstar BCOs. You know, we do five loads a week on average, and uh, and we're we're very very good at uh, at load planning. We're very very good at selecting loads. We've got very, very good freight for just, and all our stuff's just a general van. You know, we had one platform working half the year and even that was really, really good, you know, for someone just starting out. Mm-hmm. So we have a, we have a high, high level of performance here and that's what we expect. And that's what the people who get in our program understand is going to happen. You know, we, we, uh, you know, it, it sounds like we take every, we honestly, Chris, I mean, how many people do we, I mean, we're, we're getting ready to start out our interviews now with a disclaimer saying, you know, the bloody nose and, 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 and bloody mouth you're getting ready to get, you know, be aware that we're not liable for that because yeah. we, we challenge people, um, you know, greatly about the decision to do this, uh, because it's not for everybody being an owner, owner upper is not for everybody. Certainly coming to this program and being at a high level. And then uh, learning the skills of running a, a successful uh, business, that's not an easy thing to do and, and drive a truck full time. So it's a complicated 
process for a year and a half that these people get into get here for. But we have lots of people who want to do it. We've got more than we can possibly take care of. And so uh, our growth is uh, right now, because we just can't go out and buy a fleet, is to try to man- maximize the, the unused un, uh, assets that, are, that we know are out there, you know. Uh, if you're on with Landstar, it's good. If you're not, we obviously can make that happen. Um, and, um, you know, it's the people who have done it, uh, for the most part, are glad they did it. We've, you know, we, we didn't vet our owners as well as we do our drivers. And there was a couple of strategic partners. We just frankly just said, hey, thanks, but, uh, you know, no thanks anymore, you know. So, and they had trucks that really, we don't really want to deal with the, the emission bullshit uh, you know, um, uh, what's the sensor that everybody's out of, you know, the, Oh yeah. The Knox F sensor, all that. We, you know, listen, you know, we, we don't need that. Okay. So, uh, and, and, um, you know, we'll make, we'll make you some money. I think the average owner that we had this year made around 50 grand. Is that about right, Chris? You know? Yeah. Top one was about 60. And, and, uh, they, know, didn't, they don't do anything. All they have to answer the phone once in a while in case if, if we need a, you know, some kind of repair done, but we do everything when we send you uh we put money in your bank every Friday, send you a settlement every Thursday, put money in your bank every Friday. And, you know, so anyway, wanted to talk about that. And then, uh, you know, I don't want to discourage people from applying because we obviously want to keep the pipeline full. If we get a bunch of people who respond to this, uh, you know, altar call here about uh, trucks that are, are wayward, then we're going to need to put uh, some more guys in it. So, um, stay, stay with you. If you, if you applied and we haven't responded to you, you know, unless you live in California, Colorado, Texas, or Miami, we're probably going to get to you, but understand that we have to, to get you home. We, you have to live somewhere that's reasonable for us to get, be able to get you home on a regular basis. And if you live in Alaska, we had one applicant from Alaska, <laughs> sorry, but the, you're, we're, you're not going to get a call back. Okay. So, um, but uh, and I, was- I hate that Texas is, is such a problem, but we had a guy living in Texas and it was just terrible, you know, trying to to, you know, if he never wanted to go home, it would have been fine. But um, Texas is just a challenge, you know, so pretty much Texas is out. Florida's out. Colorado's out. Upper well, way, upper South Florida's out. Out. we will take North Florida. <clears throat> yeah. You know, but South Florida is probably not going to work. And now all this depends on how often you want to be home. You know, if you live in, well, I'm not going to say Oregon, but let's say you live in, I don't know, pick one, Chris, Arkansas, and you don't want to be home, but every, you know, six weeks, that's a different story. But if you want to be home every weekend, then we're probably not going to be a, uh, a good, a good source for you because we want that truck to be a high performance. And if you're going home every weekend, not loaded, it won't be high performance, you know? Well, Travis has got this question. We'll go ahead and answer. So why is Texas a problem? Well, because they wear cowboy boots. <laughs> Don't start that now. Okay, so here's the problem with Texas, all right? <clears throat> Our model works because we can do high revenue and we can do five loads a week, okay? Well, if I'm running any from anywhere, you know, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, down to the southeast, up to the northeast, that's kind of the V that, that we run in, okay? I can do $2,000 a day without a problem. If I go to Texas... It's hard to keep up that $2,000 a day because a lot of times in and out of Texas is going to be a two-day run instead of a one-day run. And so, you know, if I can go in and out of Dallas, it's not too bad. But trying to get down around San Antonio, Laredo, Houston, 
it's really, really difficult to El get Paso. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, West Texas completely out. So now I fully admit, and the guy, the guy that we had lived in San Antonio, he wasn't here very long. Um, I, I fully admit that I, I haven't figured out Texas yet. You know, maybe I just, but in the five or six weeks that I dispatched him or whatever it was, it was just hard to keep up that same level where I got guys running, you know, Pennsylvania to Massachusetts down to the Southeast and back up to the Midwest and doing 2,000, a, a day and doing 12 and 13,000 a week. It was really hard to do that with uh, a guy living in Texas, you know, and I want those 10, 12, $13,000 weeks. And it was just, it was tough. Whereas over here, I already know where I got to go. You know, I just run my V and everything's fine. Um, so that's why Texas is, is tough for us. Um, maybe plus, right, plus right now, there's too many trucks in Texas. Everybody wants to be there now because they don't want to be in the north. So yeah, rates, rates are going to, you know, are, are have and will drop in Texas because it's all about supply and demand. And right now, there's too much supply in, in anywhere below I-10 and uh, not enough demand. So, yeah. You know, because I want I want the maximum utilization. I want our driver to make a good a good living. I want my driver to make a hundred thousand. I want my truck owner to make fifty or sixty, and I want Blue Ribbon to make some money. Well, in order for the driver to make a hundred, the owner to make fifty, and us to make some money, that truck's got to be at that ten to twelve thousand a week every week, uh, or or that's not going to happen. And so, it's just Texas is just a challenge, you know. So, well, it's it's like. Look, it's just good business, okay? People say, "Why do you go? To, why don't you go to Canada?" Well, because we don't have to. There, there's, there's not anything up there that makes it worth us going up there for that we don't have right here. Right. So the same, the same thing goes for these areas we're talking. It's not that we don't love you. We listen. We'd love to have you, but the problem is, there, we don't need to go there in order to be able to do what we need to do. You know, and so it's just our choice to, to operate in the areas we operate because it's more efficient for us, and we haven't run out of. Uh, of business, you know, so uh, people ask, why do you guys do n n the Northeast? Well, guess what? The rates are really, really, really good. Okay. Yeah. You got to drive through, you know, some areas, but listen, trip playing Ninja over here can get you up there and back for $20, you know, in tolls. And so it, we just learn how to operate there and we operate there because again, supply and demand up there, high demand, low supply. That's why the rates are so crazy. So yep. it's just business. Look, remember, we do this only for the business purposes of it. And in our case, education. But uh, it's not because we uh, you know, are, are crazy about being truck drivers. You know, that's just the means to the end. You know, and uh, we're always going to make smart decisions based on business, not on emotion and not on anything else. You know, so um, that's just uh, what you get when you come deal with us. OK, so hope we didn't offend you or anybody in Texas, or anybody in Alaska. And, of course, we can't go to California because we don't own a truck that can drive in California. And sorry about that. But I will tell you this. It, California, you can kiss my ass, all right? So uh, the rest of you, I just don't. It's not worth Very it for you to go there. But California, you know, I just hope that you don't break off and float in the ocean sometime, <laughs> you know. But that's where this is still building the wall in Mexico. We need to build it up and down that, that coastline right there. Well, I saw something the other day that, like, they've run U-Haul out of trucks. Like there's, there's no U-Haul trucks available in California because they're leaving at such a high rate. Yeah. Uh, the place is just a cesspool. And yeah. Good well, 
good. You know, <laughs> sorry about your luck. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes well, you, get what you, sometimes like any, you get what you ask for. Anytime hmm. I would run into somebody to be like, I live in New Jersey. And I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, you got, you got all these other States and you live in New Jersey. That's kind of what I think why? about West Virginia. You know, see now. <laughs> all right well i think we've done enough damage for one night uh yeah. we will be back next week uh next sunday night we are going to have uh uh sarah graham uh from tiktok she has a tiktok account called logistics and she's going to talk about this container situation uh she's a fantastic follow in tiktok if you just look up uh, l-o-g-i-s-t-o-k-s logistics and she gets just given a lot of good information and a lot of good context on this, whatever this thing is. So I can't wait to get her on here and kind of pick her brain um, about this giant cluster that is happening uh, with the, um, the the ports and the and the container ships. And hopefully she'll give us a little peek behind the curtain. So really looking forward to that. So we will be back next Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern time with sarah graham so be looking forward to that you guys uh be safe out there in this weather okay you know no loads worth your life or risking you know damage to your truck or others so don't be crazy and um we'll see you next time okay all right so y'all good night everybody thank you <laughs>